Hello, welcome to the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. This is our series called Suitcase, where we're diving in and we're going to look at God's Word, how to overcome depression, anxiety, the stresses of life, and I believe this will be an encouragement to you. Remember, if you want any information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. Let's jump right in to this week's message. We're going to be looking in in Philippians chapter 4 in just a moment. So this is part 2. We're in a series called Suitcase. And I think uh, last week it it ministered. um, But I I just kind of want to sum up just a little bit of what we talked about last week. And one was, we, we kind of our theme verse we kicked off with was 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. And it tells us, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries to God. Give all your worries, all and cares to God, for he cares about you. And that's a very simple promise, but we, what we outlined was those five different things to humble ourselves, to depend on God's power. And if we do that, that he will lift us up, he will pick us up, that we can cast our cares and our worries upon him for simply he cares for you. And it's not that it's God loves you. God loves us. We know that, but he likes you. Did you know that? He, he likes you. There, there may be some that love you but don't like you, but God loves you and likes you. And so then we talked and we closed with Matthew eleven twenty eight. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You know, last week I kind of, I really opened up of something I went through in 2019 of just my struggle with some, whether it was uh, a stress and anxiety, just kind of the things I went through and was just really open and, and uh, about that. And um, even going through cycles of, of depression and um, I, and I just want you to know, you know, sometimes that's received a couple of different ways is when, uh, I guess a, a pastor is that open one, I, you know, some, you know, they, they appreciate it. They, they want to know that this is just real life. This is just, I mean, we're just trying to get through this thing sometimes. Right. And it, it, it relates. And, but it's also kind of amazing. Sometimes people respond as, you know, how dare you have those struggles, and, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but pastors have stress and anxiety and go through fights and battles also. Uh, matter of fact, I, um, Monday through Wednesday, after preaching that, you would just know that when you preach something like that and you're open like that, man, the enemy will just bombard you. And so Monday through Wednesday, I'm going to tell you, it was a, I had a very, very, very difficult three days. If it wasn't not for anything else but just the spiritual battle that goes on when you're open about what you go through. And so the enemy saw a door and he attacked. And um, I even had one person thinking they saw me Tuesday and they were wondering if they needed to take me to the emergency room. And, of course, I was like, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. <laughs> you know, Because that's what we do, right? And so even as I talk this morning, I want you to know that uh, 
we all face these things. We all go through these things. We all have these battles. And there's all kinds of reasons why we have these battles. And, and so this morning, what I want to kind of, what I want us to work through is, is an area in, in my life that I tend to really fight with, and that is just joy. And what, it, what joy represents, what is joy, having joy. And I kind of want to really break down what joy is. And because we're going to, I'll kind of skip to the ending and just kind of tell you where we're getting to. The, it's in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. There is a strength found in joy. And as we're going through life carrying these heavy loads, we need to know, we find strength in the joy that only the Lord can give us. And so I want to look at Philippians 4. Matter of fact, the next couple of weeks will be in this passage. But Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4, it says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. It's like, yeah, right, Paul. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And it goes on to say in verse 8, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Do you know that a lot of times what gets us riled up and stressed out and, and burdened and our minds kind of go there, think there, park there, is not even true? Think about what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keeping, keep putting into practice all you learned from me, Paul says. Everything you heard from me and saw doing, then the God of peace will be with you. I love that passage, and many of us may be familiar with that passage. And you know, I was just thinking about, uh, I did, it just happened during worship. I hadn't thought about this in years, but I remember in junior high, um, you know, we were playing football, and, uh, and it was after practice, we're in the locker room, and really wouldn't mean any disrespect or anything, but I mean, one of our coaches, I, I would dare say, I, I, I say you, take, you can take this with a grain of salt, and I want to be careful what I say, but um, uh, we had this one coach, and I, how do I put this? I... Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if the elevator went to the top with this coach. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but we loved him. And wouldn't, but anyway, we were sitting there, and he was, he was, you know, being a coach, grappling us for something. And a friend of mine was sitting next to me, and under his breath, you know, he was, he, he was fixing to call him a goofball. And so he said goof, but he caught himself, and I said, I said ball. And so anyway, of course, that, he got mad, and I, you know, I don't blame him, but so he made, he said, all right, he said, Starnes and the farmer outside, and so we had to go back to the practice field, and what we called them were Burmas. I don't know what maybe you called them, but it's where you had to run the width of the football field, and so the thing was, he, he made us carry each other running the width of the football field, and we had to do this like, he's, at first he said like 15, 15 times, and, um, but here is the problem. 
So I'm like 120 pounds soaking wet in eighth grade. The friend of mine, he was one of our, I mean, you got to remember, I'm like third string, you know, that far deep. And, you know, here, my friend of mine, he's a starting middle linebacker. In eighth grade, you know, he's like 6'1 and 220. And I'm like, what? I was like, Coach, wait a minute. <laughs> um, like, I'm nothing. So he wanted us to piggyback each other and run 15 times. And so he did his part. Well, I'm, I mean, like, come on, really? You know, I'm nothing. But then he wants me to carry him. And I, I mean, I got in a lot of trouble because I'm like, no. I'm like, he's got 100 pounds on me. I'm not carrying him do, doing that, you know. And but sometimes that's exactly what that weight feels like. It's that it's it's consuming us and it's it's overpowering us. And what you know, when we pack in our suitcase, we maybe it's those that feeling of dread, maybe it's accusing memories, maybe it's a deep wound, maybe it's feeling shame, maybe it's being misunderstood, maybe it's uh, unresolved conflict, maybe it's fears. There's a lot of things that we pack in that suitcase that causes worry, it causes stress, it causes anxiety. And there's kind of a, a picture I want you to get when Paul is writing this. When Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, he's writing to the Philippians. So this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Philippian people He's in prison at this time. The, the, the book of Philippians, the epistle of Philippians, is considered one of the prison epistles. But you, there was something on the forefront of Paul's mind. Here he is in prison, and throughout Philippians, you see him refer to death several times. And so I know when we look at Paul, I mean, we like to think, you know, this spiritual giant that nothing ever impacted him or you know nothing ever shook him and I'm not saying these things did but him thinking about his own mortality and moved him enough that he wrote about it several times in Philippians so here he is in in jail he's writing this letter he's not knowing whether how much longer he's going to live one example is Philippians 1:20 it says for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust my life will be honored to Christ whether I live or die. The only reason you'd write something like that, I mean, yes, he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but his death of, of his mortality is at the forefront of his mind. Philippians 3.10, I want you to know Christ and experience a mighty power that raised from the dead. I want to suffer him sharing in his death. And you'll see many references through Philippians about Paul, what Paul processing this. And so the question is, is why does our suitcase get full? And this is very simple. Why does our suitcase get full? One reason is this, is we go for too long. I don't know if you've ever been in a season, has anybody ever been in a season in your life where you just went and went and went? That may not be completely grammar appropriate, but you went and you went and you went and you went whether it was long hours, whether at work. I mean, it was just like everywhere you looked, there was the to-do list just kept getting longer and bigger and greater and heavier. And we go and we go until we physically exhaust ourselves. And when you physically exhaust yourself, that leaves a door open for the enemy to attack you. 
and the fight against you. He will use that moment of exhaustion to whether open up a door to a, maybe a sin you've battled with in the past or whether it's discouragement or depression or whatever it may be. The reality is, is that none of us are, are, are just machines that we can just never take a step back. I want to speak to you very practical. You need to be taking time off. You need to take vacation with your family. I mean, there is a spiritual principle in the Sabbath. I mean, God measured the universe by the span of his hand and still took a day off. Are you following me? I mean, I, I, I was, I, me and Tony were talking a little earlier, and I was, you know, because Mike, where Mike is, he, our pulpit carrier, he's, he's so faithful, so good, but working at Chick-fil-A, I asked Tony, I said, is our Chick-fil-A, I don't know if you heard about this, instituting the 14-hour day, three days in a row, and then getting, you know, the, four days off, I, I told him, I was like, you know, I think I could handle that. I mean, three days, just, you know, hit it hard, and then you got four days off, that's a whole lot of time in the hunting blind, man. That's, that's good stuff. I may need to talk to the board. We go for too long. And not only do we go for too long, but we go it alone. It never ceases to amaze me, whether it be in my own life or some of those around me, that we spend ourselves to exhaustion. We spend ourselves to exhaustion and the more to solitude that pushes us. I mean, is it, do you, anybody see it in your own life? I mean, the more you go, the more tired you get, the more you spend. And maybe you are spending yourself for good things. You can be serving the church and serving the Lord, but you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and you're working and you're working and then this tunnel vision starts to set in and we tend to go to a solitary place more and more and more and more. You were not made to live life alone. You were not made to live life. You were made to live life in community. We were made. That's why we, we try as hard as we can to say that we live life together. This is just not about a marriage thing or a couple thing. This is about us being many parts of the family of God. And that you don't have to carry that weight by yourself. And many times when we're spent, we're exhausted, we, and then, you know, we're the ones that pull ourselves away into the cave, and then we're like, Elijah, remember Elijah, or is Elijah, 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 one of those dudes, and the one that had to go, who killed all the prophets? That was Elijah. And so he runs, you know, then he gets a letter from Jezebel, and, you know, here he just killed like some 800 prophets on Mount Carmel, and then he gets one letter from one queen and runs for his life. I mean, Elijah's the one that chose to run, and he's the one that chose to, to run to a solitary place. And then he's there, and he's like, God, I'm the only prophet left. I, you know, Elijah's probably going to be mad at me for making fun of him when we get to heaven. But, you know, I mean, here he is. I mean, that's the emotional state that it put him in. No one is serving God like me. And sometimes, and so when we're exhausted, we're alone, we get this martyr complex. And when that martyr complex sets in, we tend to always go to the negative. (laughs) 
And we, we, that, that's where, why this, why that, why, I mean, just our filter, all of a sudden, it's, it's everything. It's like, you know, I'm the one trying to do everything for my family. I'm the one trying to do everything for God. I'm the one trying to do everything for my church. But Philippians 4, 8 says, remember whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about those things. You know, I'm just not trying to give you some brain food. I mean, I'm really wanting this to hit your spirit, but listen to me. I I wish I caught this when I was in my 20s and my 30s. I really do. But as I've gotten older, I've realized it, and maybe I said this last week as well, but it doesn't cost me a whole lot of energy just to give people grace. Whether they do something towards me intentionally or not intentionally, that is not for me to judge. That's, I'm going to expend my energy of role-playing all of that mess in my head and just add weight on my shoulders when the easiest thing for me to do is just give people the benefit of the doubt and give grace. And so what do we end up doing? We end up going on our own strength. You can't do it on your own strength. As it, I mean, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it in our own strength. We need the Lord's help. I, and, and during the series, I thought about this passage. I'm not sure if I'm going to dive into it a, a, as a text or not, but 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, so this is where Paul is praying, and we don't know exactly what that thorn is, but he's praying about this thorn in his side. The only thing we do know is that that thorn was a messenger of Satan, and But in verse 9, Paul brought it to the Lord, and each time the Lord responds to him, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so, so that the power of Christ can work through me. Just know You're not going to do it on your own strength. You're not going to do it all within your own power. We need God's strength. And it's available to us. It's available to you. I read this statistic here recently that 91% of Gen Z deals with significant stress about education, future, jobs, paying bills, Marriage. I think, you know, I, I know, and I, I look at my kids, I know I use them examples so many times, and we are blessed with our children, our kids, and, I, you know, for Shaylee's an adult, I, you know, but she'll always be a kid, I guess, my kid. And, you know, sometimes when they have a bad day, I'm just like, if you only knew what a really bad day was like. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know bad day yet. <laughs> But whenever you're in the middle of it, right, whenever you're in the middle of whatever the pit is that you're in, to you, that's, that's a bad day. But remember last week that there is no pit too slimy for God to pull you out and to do that work that needs to be done with you. So what do we do? 
The first thing is this. Our inner attitudes do not have to reflect outward circumstance. Our inner attitudes do not have to reflect outward circumstances. I'm going to say it again because nobody said amen. Are you, are you hearing me? Our, what, our attitude inside does not have to be a mirror of whatever hardship or weight or whatever is going on around us. I mean, Philippians 4.4, 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. Always. That doesn't say sometimes. That doesn't say when things are just going well. That doesn't say to say when things are awesome. It's saying always. Why do you think the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write always? Because he's saying no matter the circumstance, we're to be full of the joy of the Lord. The joy that Paul calls for is just not a happiness. And that's what so many of us get locked into is our happiness is so dependent on our circumstance. Our happiness is so dependent on our circumstance, on the, on the physical things going on around us. And yes, happiness is good, but that's not the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is that no matter what the battle is, there's a joy on the inside of you that, that always bubbles up or, or stirs hope. It stirs faith. Are you following me? It doesn't mean that even, you know, even when you have the joy of the Lord, it doesn't mean that 100% of the time you're going to walk around with the joke and the smile on your face. I mean, that's not reality. But what it is saying is even in the middle of the circumstance, in the storm, you can have this sense on the inside of you to know that God's strength is greater than yours, that God's strength is greater than your weakness. Our happiness should not be dependent on circumstances but a decommitment that the Lord is sovereign, that we can trust him, that he's the living God, and all of who he is is available to us even in the difficult times. So what do we do? One is we focus on God's goodness. I don't know if you fully realize this, but one of the main tactics of the enemy is to convince you that God is not good. The enemy wants to convince you that God is trying to withhold something good from you. Are you following me? You see, so that's, that's why comparison is such a dangerous thing to get into. Right? Because we see what's happening around us and we begin to compare our life about with those around us, that'll just make you miserable. Because number one, we are all really good at wearing masks. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, I mean, we're, we're comparing, comparing the worst of ourself to the best that somebody's posting on social media. <laughs> you're, you're never going to win that one. And the enemy will use those things. They see so-and-so, they make more than you. So-and-so, they drive an officer car than you. So-and-so, you know. And am I the only one that deals with this stuff? I see you, some of you drive your new car up to the church. And I'm driving my 180,000-mile Toyota Tundra that I'll drive for the wheels fall off because it's paid for. <laughs> 
There's nothing wrong with being blessed. And there's, I mean, if, you, if, you, if it's within your means, I mean, you know, well, if you buy the Ferrari, the Lamborghini, just come take me for a ride. Would you do that? Just, just come take me for a ride. It's, but, you know, the, the, the flip side is you, you don't know someone else's debt load. Maybe they've made some unwise decisions. And we're comparing ourselves to that. And the enemy, man, he will twist that and twist that and twist that. You've got to focus on God's goodness because God's better than the stuff that you got. I don't know. Hopefully this is landing somewhere. Psalms 107, 8 and 9. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and wonderful things he has done for them. For he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. The second thing is this, so we focus on God's goodness, and I'm going to tell you that God is good. And my circumstance is not determined the level of God's goodness. God is good. And God is also faithful. Focus on God's faithfulness. I, I was thinking back, you know, even, you know, it, we, we're so good at judging one another. I mean, we really are. And maybe, maybe you do that towards me. I don't know. Maybe you do that towards our family. And you think, well, you know, if I had, if I had office hours like Pastor, listen, I'd, I'd be glad to put you on 24-7 call. I really would. But I say that to say this. You don't, you don't know. You don't know the 35 years of what I went through when I battled with Crohn's. You, you didn't see that part of my life. Right? And, and there's areas of struggle you've gone through that I haven't seen. You, 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 didn't, you weren't in my home when we were trying to live by faith and serve the Lord. And we would literally sit down in the living room because we were out of laundry soap. We were out of cereal for the kids. We had no canned goods, no meat in the refrigerator. We had no, and we sat there and, and managers kind of look at each other and say, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Or the times that we, uh, uh, we, uh, our family car broke, broke down. The family car that I had bought for a dollar. I'd bought for a dollar. We had a vehicle that broke down. It was, it was just, it wasn't worth to fix it. And I couldn't afford to fix it if I wanted to. And I, I, I in our home church, you know, I, I had this internship of young adults and a family in the church was letting a, one of my interns drive their minivan. And I, I, got, I, I got to sitting there thinking, that's not fair. He's a single guy in, a, in an apartment with five other guys who most of them have cars. He can get where he wants to go. And so I, anyway, before church, I went to this family. I said, hey, and I offered, I said, hey, I know you got this van. You're letting so-so drive. I think that's great. But listen, we're, we're in need. I'll buy that van from you. I'll do whatever it takes to buy that. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested to sell it. I was like, okay. And so we just go through church, whatever, and have church. And after church, you know, he comes up to me. He says, Todd, he says, man, they're in church. I just started thinking about it. And he's like, I'll, I'll sell you the van. I was like, okay, great. I was like, how much do you want? He's like, how much do you have in your wallet? And I pull out my wallet. And I said, well, and I, this is no joke. I said, I, I have $1. He said, okay, sold. And so he sold me the van for a dollar. And so 
we drove that until it wouldn't drive anymore. And then so then I was going somewhere to preach. Our family van broke down, and uh, we get there. We're preaching this revival. And the last time of the revival, the associate pastor of the church, they said, Todd, they said, you need to come by the house before you leave town. And this is Wednesday night, and so we go by their house, and we're just sitting there talking, whatever. And then he's like, you know, we're getting ready to leave. And it was kind of like, oh, matter of fact, here's the keys to our van. We want you to have it. I cannot tell you how many times something like that happened. Listen, you, you have not, maybe you haven't, you haven't seen all those things in our life where we had to believe God at the very last moment. But what I have found is that God is always faithful. God is faithful. And I don't know where you, you can tell I haven't missed any meals, meals lately. I should probably miss some intentionally. It won't be today at lunch. But God is faithful. That moment we were sitting there in our living room, we were like, I don't know what it is that we're going to do. And then I get a phone call. And I answer the phone. And it, I mean, this is like, this isn't like days later. This is the day of. And I get a call, and it's a pastor in our district. And he says, Hey, me and my wife are in town. We want to take you to eat. I'm like, Well, we, well the Lord provides. So we go to Chili's and we go out to eat and we chit chat. And so, uh, Hey, you got a few minutes? We just want to visit. So they come by the house and we're just sitting there visiting. And I mean, gives us, I mean, we, we're just visiting. We have no idea. He said, hey, you know what? He said, we brought some stuff for you guys. You, I want you to process. This is, this is not dramatized for effect. Like, we're out of sugar. We're out of flour. We're out of, I mean, we're out of food. We're out of laundry detergent. I mean, we're, we're out of it all. And so he backs his Suburban up, and he opens up the Suburban hatch, and it is full of groceries. Full. And I'm not talking sure fine. I mean like tied. You know what I mean? You know it's a Lord. <laughs> Just an amazing moment. Amazing moment. God never, never, never fails. And if you're at a place where you don't know where your next can of green beans is coming from, I'm going to tell you that God is a provider. That could be tweetable. The next thing is this, is the focus on God's closeness. I mean, we've talked about this, that God's closeness. In Hebrews 10, 22, let us go right in the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Fully trusting him. Go into the presence of God. God is always there. Whatever whatever. Whatever your nightmare is, God has not left you. Whatever your worst case scenario is, God is still there. Do not allow the enemy or the circumstance to blind you that God sees you, he sees right where you are, and he's got you. The, the last thing to focus on this is focus on God's promises. Focus on God's promises. This has so become one of my favorite verses. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. There is no better place to stand than the promises of God. 
The Bible says that when his word goes out, it'll accomplish what it's sent out to do, and it will not return void. That's the power of his word. That's the power of his promises. And so I just really quick, I, I need to wind up, but number two is this, is joy is found in the fullness of Christ. Joy is found in the fullness of Christ. And I, I want us to wrap our minds and our hearts around that just for a moment, that, that joy is found in the fullness of Christ. What that means is, I mean, really what I could do is just kind of go through and read John 15, right? If you, for those that abide in me and I abide in him. And, but, but the joy is found in the fullness of Christ. It's more than emotional happiness. It's more than, it's not based on outward circumstance. I mean, joy is based on the immeasurable work that Christ has done for you. Joy is directly related to living free from the bondage of sin. Listen, there are people that struggle with joy in their life because of the, the cycle of repetitive sin in their life. Listen to me. I'm not talking in some legalistic sense. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not getting on some soapbox here, but I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to grow in Christ and you begin to live life in a way that you are free from the entanglement of it doesn't mean you're perfect it doesn't mean you didn't some don't don't fall short when you you break free from that entanglement of sin i'm going to tell you there is no lighter way to live life because i mean when you just are in that mode of messing up and messing up and messing up i mean you feel guilty you feel condemned. You're scared somebody's going to find out. I mean, there's all these things are cycling through. You know what? You know how you can get free from all of that stuff? Is to live for the Lord. Is to live for the Lord. I love Psalm 51. I intended to kind of go through it, the whole chapter, but, or most of it. But Psalm 51, I'm not going to do it this morning. I, we don't have time. But Psalm 51 is the psalm that David, I mean, we've all heard the story of David and Bathsheba, right? You know, she's on the rooftop, she's, you know, taking a bath, David sees, you know, and I mean, you know, having an affair, and then, you know, through a cycle of events, getting Uriah, his wife, his, her husband killed, and, and so, you know, David's thinking, it's okay, it's all done, and, but then there's this prophet, and this prophet named Nathan, and so he confronts David, and kind of sets up this scenario, and David's like, you know, he responds pretty harshly, and Nathan's like, that's you, buddy. I mean, have you ever been found out? I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, this, that, you know, that heart sink. I mean, I can imagine, you know, here's a prophet of God confronting the king. I imagine that moment David had a heart sink. It's like, oh, no, I'm found out. And there, there's a sorry we got caught. But there's also a sorry when we realize we're confronted with God's faithfulness and his goodness and his kindness. The Bible says that his kindness leads us to repentance. And so here's David, and he, he says some things very specific. And, uh, man, I wish I had time, but I don't. But Psalm 51.8, he says this, Oh, give me back, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. I mean, here's David in this moment. He's confronted with his sin. And he's saying, restore the joy of my salvation. Verse, 
uh, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. David, even though he thought he had escaped it, it is evident that the joy was gone from his life. I mean, this is the man that danced when the Ark of the Lord came back into the city. Are you following me? And he's, he's praying, give me back the joy again. Restore the joy of my salvation. Do you know how that happens? It happens because of verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Joy is an overflow of the Holy Spirit. We know from Scripture that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You read in Galatians 5.22, it is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. This is something, it's not like you wake up in the morning and say, okay, today I'm going to have joy. I don't care what happens, everybody says. You know? I'm going to have patience today. You know, it's not like you can just attach those things onto yourself. I mean, it's because of a work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. If you really want to know joy, then know that it is God that does it on the inside of you. And the way that God does that work on the inside of you relates to last week that we humble ourselves. We come to the Lord and ask him, God, I need you to do this work in my life. And then there's the joy that comes from the comfort and God's closeness. I've talked about some about that, but I'm going to tell you, Joy comes from the comfort, and it comes from God's closeness. True joy cannot be destroyed by pain. True joy cannot be destroyed by suffering. True joy cannot be destroyed by weakness. True joy cannot be destroyed by difficult circumstances. Because what, what God does in you, it cannot be robbed. The last thing is this, is that strength is found Enjoy. You know, it's an interesting verse there in Nehemiah. You know, Nehemiah is about the rebuilding of the wall and all taking place. And of all places, we see in Nehemiah 8, the very last phrase, the very last sentence of that verse For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I want you to think about that a moment. I mean, there's, there's things in Scripture. There's not, there's not like a whole list of things, but there are some things in Scripture where you can gain strength. Yes, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. We can find strength through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And yes, all this works together, but think about this for a moment. Joy is your strength. Joy is your strength. Combined with all these other things, yes, but joy is your strength. I mean, that is, that's what changes how you see things. That changes how you 
perceive things, when that difficult circumstance comes your way, whatever that may be, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're like, you know, the scripture also tells us, count up your joy, brethren, when you encounter trials. I mean, how do you, how do you count that joy? It's because the joy of the Lord on the inside of you, and it's not saying, oh, yay, here comes a difficult time. Oh, yay, you know, I got this bad diagnosis. Oh, yay, you know, that's not what it's about. It's saying that in the midst of it all, you've got a joy. Well, that song just popped in my head. I'm sorry. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I know. I, sorry. That's the ADD part of me. And so we got this joy of the Lord working in us. And it's from that joy that we gain strength. And the facts of the circumstance may never change, but God still has you. He's still good. He's still faithful. He's still close to you. Come on, somebody. I mean, he is still right there with you. You may not even get the result that you want, but you take joy in knowing that it's for eternity that we live, not for these few moments here. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Would you please stand this morning? I hope that this message was a blessing to you. If you would, please like and share to your favorite platform, and we would greatly appreciate it. Remember, if you would like more information about us, go to odessafirst.com or any of the social media platforms. If you're ever in the Odessa area, we would love to meet you in person. God bless you.